Father in heaven, we thank you today for your many blessings and for the breath of life. We thank you for your presence here with us today on this preparation day for your Sabbath once the sun sets, as well as for the coming crisis, the second coming of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the promise that when the spirit of Elijah comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Fulfill your promise in our hearts even today. We thank you for hearing us. Revive and reform us is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, friends, greetings, salutations. Welcome to this Midday Power Surge, Friday, February 21st, 2020. Welcome one, welcome all to this Midday Power Surge. All right, friends, without further ado, I want to segue right into our series. We have been covering God's remnant church for this remnant of time, the last days. From Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. And the Bible tells us the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. In order for us, my friends, to understand the remnant church, we must study the former church. And that former church is found in verse 1 through verse 5 of Revelation chapter 12. And if we understand the former church, we can better understand the latter, the remnant of her seed. All right, friends, are you ready for this? And what work were God's people to do to usher in the first advent of Christ? Because Revelation 12 verse 1 through 5, the former church covers the first advent. Well, the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 9, go there with me, get your Bibles, get your writing instruments, get your notepads, Daniel chapter, chapter 9. The Bible tells us, I can't see my comments, Daniel chapter 9. And look with me, my friends, in verse 24. Through verse 25, the Bible tells us the work of the former church to usher in the Messiah, the first coming of Jesus Christ, was to rebuild Jerusalem, to restore true worship, rebuild that temple. Since that was the work in the former church, what must be the work of the remnant church? Revelation 12, 17, to rebuild spiritual Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 3, to restore true worship. Does that make sense? And the Bible tells us in verse 25, they were to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It was to be done in troublous times. On yesterday, we covered and discovered that those who went to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that they were called the remnant. Write down Ezra chapter 3, verse 8, verse 10. Look at the screen, my friends. This is prophets and kings. Page 598 
Paragraph 1. The builders were called the remnant. It's clear on the screen. Now, friends, take a look at this. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25, just the last phrase. The wall was to be built again, even in what times? In troublous times. In the former church, the remnant builders encountered a time of trouble as they were restoring true worship. So what will be the experience of God's remnant people? What will we all encounter? A time of trouble. Does that make sense? If it makes sense, my friends, send in those amens. All right. In order to understand the troublous times the remnant will encounter in these last days, we must consider carefully the time of trouble the remnant builders encounter in the former time, the former church. My friends, we're going to see that was the time of crisis in the days of Esther. Look at the statement here. Prophets and Kings. Page 598, it says, blue words, that second decree was issued by Darius the king. Red words, it says, it was time to rebuild, return to Jerusalem. It's time to rebuild. Red words, the Lord foresaw the what, friends? The troublous times that were to follow during the reign of Xerxes, the Hasarerus of the book of Esther. All right, my friends, question for you. What was the crisis in the time of Esther? Esther, Esther chapter 2, Esther 3, especially Esther chapter 4. What was that crisis? It was over false worship, my friends. Haman wanted Mordecai to bow down and to serve him. Serve means to worship, Matthew 4. To bow down and to worship him. And Haman was using the power of civil authority. That's church and state union. Haman, a religious figure. Hasuerus, civil power. Does it make sense? And all the Jews were in a crisis. All right, my friends. If they would not worship Haman, they would be put to death, a death decree. But all oh, my friends, did God deliver Esther? Did God deliver Mordecai? Did God deliver the Israelites? And the very hole of destruction, Haman dug, he fell into it. What is God giving us as a means of encouragement? If it's clear, my friends, send in those amens. And that time of trouble and the time of Esther will be repeated. There's no new thing under the sun. Take a look, my friends. Prophets and Kings, page 605, it says, the decree that will finally go forth against whom friends the remnant people of god will be very similar to that issued by whom hasoeras against the jews of course inspired by haman today the enemies of what church the true church see in the little company that little company keeping the Sabbath commandment a Mordecai at the gate. I'm going to deal with this gate later on. At the gate. 
So my friends, this was the time of trouble that was ensuing. It was ominous, a great crisis, my friend. And what were the Jews to do? Leave Babylon, leave Medo-Persia, leave the world, return and rebuild Jerusalem. It's time to build. All right. Is a Sunday law nearing? Come on, friends, those of you in the forum. Is a national Sunday law near? All right. So what time is it, my friends? Tell me in the forum. Based on scripture, write down. What time is it? Daniel 9, verse 25. It's time to rebuild the wall. Daniel 9, 25. Why? The crisis of the mark of the beast, the Sunday law is near, even at the doors. And today I want to be candid, frank, and succinct. It's time, my friends. All right. It's time to build the wall. Look with me. Those of you in the forum, who were some of those uh, remnant builders in the former church? In the days of Ezra, we covered Ezra. Anybody? What about Nehemiah? Look with me, Nehemiah chapter 1. And the Bible tells us in Nehemiah chapter 1, look at verse 1 through verse 4. What was brought to Nehemiah's knowledge and understanding? Verse number 3, the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, yet the crisis was nearing. And how did Nehemiah feel? He felt sad. He wept. He fasted. What was his objective, my friends? To rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the wall. Why? A crisis was coming. May God give me, may God give you, may God inspire us, Save to Serve International, rest of you and first time viewers, with the spirit of Nehemiah. Yes, my friends. That's it. Does it make sense? All right, my friends, and what would the wall of Jerusalem represent? Let's note this. Jerusalem represent the city of truth. That's Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 3. Then what would the wall represent? Put it down. Does anyone know in the forum? What does the wall represent? The wall represents salvation. Look with me. Isaiah chapter 60. The Bible tells us, in Isaiah chapter 60, note it, and verse number 18, last phrase, But thou shalt call thy wall salvation, and thy gates praise. Salvation. So what was the condition of literal Jerusalem? The walls were broken down. No salvation. Apostasy. Yet a crisis in the days of Esther, false worship, on the what? The penalty of death was on the horizon. What is the application? The mark of the beast is near. Human probation is about to close. The second coming of Christ is even at the doors. What is the condition of God's professed people? The spiritual walls are broken down. Grave apostasy is, rem is, 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 is rampant in many homes, prevalent in many churches, whether it's conference churches or self-supporting churches. Where is the spirit of Elijah? 
the spirit of John the Baptist, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of Nehemiah. It's time to build the walls. All right, friends. Do you want to be a repairer of the breach? What would the literal walls represent? All right, friends, note this. The literal walls around Jerusalem would keep in God's people, preserve them, and keep out the enemies. Keep out heresies, keep out apostasies, keep out the enemies of the faith. Take a look. Prophets and Kings, page 653, it says, The wall about Jerusalem was rapidly approaching completion. When it, the wall, when the wall should be finished, and what? Its gates set up, these enemies of Israel could not hope to force an entrance into the city. All right, my friends. So what was the purpose of the wall and the gates? To keep out the enemies of God's true church. Does it make sense, my friends? The churches must have a wall around them, spiritually, salvation. Our homes must have a wall around us. Does it make sense, my friends? Our lives must be surrounded with the wall of Christ, salvation. Or else will come damnation. Now, my friends, my mind went to a book written by Joe Cruz. The late Joe Cruz. Called what? It's called Enemy at the gate enemy at the gate now friends the title of this midday power surge is what enemies in the gate now my friends that's not accidental i'm not playing on words i'm not giving you whim and witticism that was intentional the bible tells us the enemies will be found within the gate just before the close of human probation are the enemies within our gates now? Yes. Grave apostasies among us, friends. Let me give you that scripture. Go to Psalm 127. Now, friends, parents, it would be best right now for you to gather your children and watch this midday power surge and study with us. Get your children. Why? Because the Bible tells us the Lord is going to use children, youth, to suppress, to overthrow the enemies. And where would the enemies be found? Not only at the gates, preposition at, mm -mm, but within, inside the gates. Look at Psalm 127. The Bible tells us in verse 5, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they... Who is the they pronoun? But they shall speak with the enemies in, in, not at, in the gate. Now, does anyone have a marginal reference in the Bible? What does the word speak mean? For they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. The margin says, thanks Christian, the margin says speak means to subdue. So who are the they? That shall subdue the enemies in the gate. Go back to verse 3. Lord, children, 
are a heritage of the Lord. Verse 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. So who will God use to subdue apostasies, the enemies in the gate? Ah, oh, friends, who? The young people. Juxtaposition now. Yet the majority of our leaders tell us that we need to lower the standards in order to keep our youth and children active, engaged in the church. Volume 4, Testimonies. Page 210 and page 211, we are told the leaders are seen opening the gates, removing the boats, and allowing the enemy to come in the gate. Go read that, my friends. Volume 4, page 210 and page 211. That's why we are told Satan's chief work is at the headquarters of our faith. If the heart of the world becomes corrupt, that's the General Conference, North American Division, local conferences. Satan's chief work is at the headquarters of our faith. If the heart of the work becomes corrupt, then the work with its various branches, publishing, medical, education, that's schools, churches, youth ministries, the church with its various branches will suffer in consequence. Direct quote, volume 4, page 210, page 211. But God will use young people to subdue the enemies in the gate. Are there any young people online right now? Type in the amen. Type in, Lord, here am I. Use me. I want to, no, I can't see my comments here on my iPad. But send in those, those statements. All right, my friends. What is the wall again? Prophets and kings, page 677. Prophets and kings, page 677. We are told, my friends, the work of restoration and reform that was carried out by which men? Zerubbabel. Ezra, and whom Nehemiah presents a picture of a work of spiritual restoration. So what they did literally, we must do spiritually as well. That is to be wrought when? In the closing days of this earth's history. The prophet here describes a people who, in a time of general departure from truth and righteousness, are seeking to restore the principles that are the foundation of God's kingdom. They are repairers of a breach that has been made. We're in God's law. What is that law? Like an unto the wall that God has placed around his chosen ones for their protection and obedience to whose precepts of justice truth and purity is to be their perpetual safeguard and within our churches the enemies are in the gate trojan horses yes my friends not only in the churches but also in our homes it's time to build look with me nehemiah go with me to nehemiah nehemiah chapter 8 friends 
More than theory, we want practical godliness. Nehemiah chapter 8, we are told what they did for the spiritual restoration of the remnant in the former church. What they did, we must do today. Verse 1 of Nehemiah 8. Ezra brought the book of the law. What would the book of the law represent today? Write down book of the law. Then verse 2, it tells us the date. The book of the law was read in the ears of Israel upon the first day of the seventh month. That's significant. I'll come back to it. Verse 3, and he read therein before the street. Street, Daniel 9 verse 25. Street and wall. That was before the water gate. When? From morning until midday. What time is it, my friends? Midday power surge. Book of the law. Hold on there before I close. What is the book of the law? It was the writings of the prophets. What is our book of the law? The Bible and the writings of Ellen Gould White. Ellen G. White. When must we read the Bible and the spirit of prophecy? Morning, midday, and evening. Evening, morning, and at noon. Psalm 55, verse 17. If these points are clear, send in the amens. Come to verse number two. The book of the law was read. When, my friends, it says, watch carefully, the first day of the seventh month. Anybody in the forum, what comes to your mind? First day of the seventh month, this was the feast of trumpets. When trumpets were to be blown, but oh my friends, write down Leviticus 23, verse 24 through verse 29. How many days were trumpets to be blown before the day of atonement? Ten days. The day of atonement, the tenth day on the seventh month. The book of the law was read as they were rebuilding, my friends, on the first day of the seventh month. They were blowing the trumpets, which represent for us the three angels' messages. It's time to build. Does it make sense? I'm going to give a part two to this on tomorrow by God's grace. Let's segue. My friends, is the day of atonement about to come to a close? So the work in Nehemiah 8, 1 through verse 3, must be my work, must be your work. In our churches, in our homes, do you want your children to be saved? This current event covers one question. When your children get to the age of 30, if Christ tarries much longer, Will they still be a faithful Christian or will they be a worldling? Look at this. Christianity Today, February 20th, 2020. Headline says, want your kids to stay Christian? Well, double down on home discipleship. Data suggests that what you do with your free time, parents, affects your family's long-term spiritual formation. No malarkey here, my friends. It's time to rebuild 
our spiritual homes. Look at this. These surveys together provide enough data to explore a very interesting question. What question? Red words. How much does a greater level of family, religious activity, influence the odds that a teenager stays in the faith at the age of 30? In preparing for this report, I tracked three different measures of religious retention. One simply asks if the teenagers in question are still Christian at age 30. Very interesting. How old was John the Baptist when he began his public ministry? Approximately 30 years of age. How old was Christ? Oh, friends. When he began his public ministry, rebuilding Jerusalem in a spiritual sense, approximately 30 years of age. Let that sink in. I want this midday power surge to leave an indelible mark upon our minds. Are our young people not do they attend church? Are they being saved? Are they being revived and reformed? It goes on, my friends. So how does all cash out? This all cash out. Families who pray and worship together tend to continue praying and worshiping together. Husbands, where's the family altar in your home? Mothers, the key to successful transmission of Christian faith across age groups, generations, is not more about youth groups or hyper-pastors, but the Holy Spirit working through the calling, the vocation of parenthood as parents take the time to share their faith with their own children. It goes on. That said, Christian parents do not catechize their children just because social science says that catechesis works. No, Christian parents, Seventh-day Adventist parents, fathers, mothers, we catechize our children because we are commanded to do so by God in what scriptures? By the way, go to the first one, Proverbs 22. Christian, I want you to read this. Proverbs 22, verse number 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Does anyone have a marginal reference in their Bibles, KJV? What does train mean? Come on, Christian. What does train mean right here? Give me the word. Train means what? Catechize. Catechize. The Bible says that, which means question and answer. Get back to the screen. Ephesians 6, Deuteronomy 4. Chapter 6 as well. And it goes on. Question. Some of you may say, but pastor, my child is grown and think he, he, and he or she could do whatever they want to do. As long as they are in your home, you are paying the bills. They must honor your God-given principles or they should leave the home. 
Don't compromise with them as they're living a promiscuous life, dressing like harlots, worldly music, bringing demons into your home. No. It says, when we fail to catechize our children, we sin against them. And the warning of Christ in Matthew 18 must weigh heavily upon us. Now, friends, if you have done your best and your children fall in that statistic of those who walk away from Christ, do not become suicidal. Do not give up. Leave them with Christ. They may be a prodigal and return just before it is too late. Is that encouraging? All right, my friends. It says, but nonetheless, we can be discouraged. Pardon me. But nonetheless, we can be not discouraged, but we can be encouraged by the worldly research, the data that backs up this calling from Scripture and tells us that, yes, what we do at home has an enormous impact on our kids' future faith. Then it says, controlling for parental religious beliefs. The odds that a child will leave the Christian faith are between one-third and seven times greater in a household with little or no in-home catechesis than in a household where the family, where the family has regular religious practice together. Today we must say parents and guardians elders and pastors lord we are going to hold you to your word help us to do our part in our home in the churches all right and and trust you will save our children what is your prayer request today my friends send in your prayer request even now even now my wife sang the song happy the home my friends Let's take heed to these words. Our children need to be saved. Salvation, the wall. It's time to build. Happy the home when God is there And love fills every breast when one their wish and one their prayer and one their heavenly rest happy the home where prayer is heard and praises one to rise where parents love the sacred word and all its wisdom prize. Lord, let us in our homes agree this blessed peace to gain. Unite our hearts in love to Thee, and love to all will reign. 